Blog Talk Radio. Hello, folks. It's Chris Daly. And as usual, we come to you each month with dialogue with a Jamaican who is making a difference in the world. And are we very pleased this evening to none other than Dr. Basil Bryant. Dr. Bryant, it served at Howard, in the faculty of Howard University from 1981 to 1991. He then went on to become the deputy ambassador to the Jamaican Embassy in Washington, D.C., where he served from 1991 through 1998. He then moved north to be the consulate general at the New York office, and there he served from April of 1998 to September of 2007. Ambassador Bryant has received numerous awards, proclamations, and citations from New York and other places in the land. But this one, we're really pleased to see that he was awarded in 2002. He was a recipient of the Order of Distinction from Jamaica. He's the author of many publications, and this evening we'll be dialoguing with him with his most recent book, The Jamaican Children of God in the Promised Land. It's great to have you, Dr. Bryant, and my partner, Janice Maxwell, will do the interview. Janice? Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Chris. Dr. Bryant, we really appreciate you spending some quality time with us. So we'll get right to the point. Share with us, um, our audience, a little bit about your Jamaican roots. Well, thank you for the opportunity. I was born in Jamaica in the parish of St. James. As a little boy, I I went to live in Kingston because my family moved. I attended primary school, um, elementary school, high school in Kingston. And then um, I attended the school that is known as the Spring Factory, Camperdown High School. And then mm-hmm. I left to to go to university to begin university life. Oh, okay. Yeah, you came to flower during the heyday in Jamaica. Share what were some of the memories that stood in your outlook. Well, I can remember very um, good days in Jamaica. You know, I had a very comprehensive upbringing. I was exposed to many different aspects. But I would like to share that one of the things that keep myself and many other Jamaicans um, in the forefront of our country's um, view is the values we learned growing up as children. We, during my time of growing up in Jamaica, I wasn't exposed to many crimes, etc. You know, all, that, all of that has escalated over the years. I mm. remember more the family life, community life, community spirit, some very prominent civil and public servants. And I remember in particular the many sporting activities as youngsters that we were engaged in. So it was wonderful growing up in Jamaica for me. Mm. And for many, too. Uh, finish this statement. You came to the promised land seeking? 
I came to Ramislang seeking mostly education. I decided that I wanted university training. In those days, in the 1960s, it was not as easily accessible to many Jamaicans. So myself, like many other Jamaicans, came to attend Howard University, which is among the most prominent universities in the Jamaican community. And uh, many, many, we were motivated by the work of many, many Jamaicans who had gone to study at Howard University, had returned to the country or went elsewhere and became very successful. So Howard University in those days was the place that motivated and encouraged a lot of young uh, Jamaicans to seek tertiary education as that was not so much in Jamaica at the time. In Jamaica at the time, there was one single university based on what many see as an elite system. So many people well, went abroad. What was that, the University of West? Was that the University, university of, of, the, West of the West Indies, yes. Oh, and um, okay. it couldn't take in the numbers and uh, many other aspects. So many people, um, particularly people from the majority background, went abroad to study. And so I went to Harvard University where I did degrees and I ended up with a doctorate. I also did postgraduate work at Johns Hopkins University, all in economics and international affairs. Mm. Well, as you know, um, I don't know if you know that, but Chris and Chris and I are both alums from Howard. So, oh. yeah. So it's we're in we're in good company here. Go by. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, it's very, it's very, yes, go by. It's really wonderful to know this because all over the place you go. I mean, all over the United States. All over the world you go, you find Howard graduates in very, very mm -hmm. prominent positions. So I feel yeah, yeah. very gratified knowing this, and congratulations also. Yeah. Well, I went to Howard for two years and graduated here in Illinois, but Chris graduated. Okay. Um, he got his BS, I believe, at Howard. Yes. And, um, oh, great. Wonderful. So, um, what is the story behind the transition to the diplomatic court? Well, um, it's, I can say it very quickly. Um, when I finished school, I had a master's degree at the time. I returned to Jamaica, and then I was posted um, at the Jamaican Embassy in Washington, D.C. as an economic officer. And, um, you know, that continued until around 1980, 1981, when I returned to Jamaica. And things didn't work out quite so well. Um, I would say because of the transition to the political parties had changed and, you know, what that happens in many small countries. So I decided that I would have to seek other situations and I was offered a position to go to Howard University to teach. This was now 1981. I had already acquired my doctorate, so the university got in touch with me, the Department of Social Sciences. I was in Jamaica at the time, and they offered me the position as an assistant professor, which I accepted readily. And so that was how I started 
on the faculty of Howard, which I served for 10 years, and on two occasions. What, pardon me? I said, so how was your Howard decade? What was that like? Oh, wonderful, wonderful. I enjoyed it, and in fact, in two years, two separate years, I was voted by the Caribbean students as the most popular professor at the college at that time. Hmm, that's excellent. Howard is just, it's very important, you know, for black Americans, for the Caribbean community, and we're just so happy that Howard is um, um, producing such a quality, and we hope it continues, because as you know, HBUs are are becoming um, something of, well, they're in dire straits, and we need to encourage people. We need to encourage people to Support them because we are the only, the only the opportunity that Black people had were the HBUs. Yes. So you don't That's just right. kick them to the curve because Main Street suddenly accepts you. And yeah, not, absolutely, <laughs> you know. So I'm a strong supporter of HBUs. I quite agree own. with you. Mm-hmm. You I, probably yeah, I quite agree with you. Yeah. Um, you probably own a record as the longest serving diplomat in an official capacity. Did this experience give birth to your latest book, um, Children of God in the Promised Land? Yes and no. I served as you said before, I served as the Consul General in New York for ten years and that is the longest mm-hmm. by any one since we became independent. Actually, I was on the faculty of Howard University when I was invited by the then government to return to public life, and I did. You know, I answered the call of my country. And um, I would say in response to your particular question, yes, my book, The Jamaicans, Children of God in the Promised Land, some of my experiences um, gave rise to this, but not all, just some. Because it was an idea that I was sort of developing for quite a long time. I was absolutely amazed from many, many years now, um, maybe over two, three decades ago, <clears throat> of the prominent work and achievements of Jamaicans in America, which is the modern day promised land. And so I mm-hmm. started to to do some more research and to see, look into reasons how and why and when and where our people came and what they did, why they went to particular places, how they conquered, how they fought against racism, etc., and how they succeeded. And so I felt then that there must be a reason why people from such a small country in strange lands, you know, can achieve so much how they did it, and so that is what um, has been documented in my book, which I should point out is very, very well received. It is, and and it's very, what um, I really like about the book is that um, it's so comprehensive. Um, There's a lot of things that Jamaicans don't know, and one of them that sticks out in my mind is the fact that Jamaica was one of two countries in the first one in the Western Hemisphere to just um, to stop 
dealing with South Africa altogether. And this was done long before it was trendy in the, I believe it was the 90s when it became trendy for everyone to to stay away from us. And in, in, um, so just for a government, a small island, to take that kind of stand in the 60s, you've got to say, wow, there's something extraordinary about us. Um, Peter, you, you, as you know, when they were um, when it became vogue to protest and um, what South Africa was doing, apartheid, long before it became vogue, Peter Tosh actually sung about apartheid, and nobody That's else was right. doing that. Nobody even knew that this was going yeah. on. But here it is. Peter Tosh is singing about it. Jamaica's taking a stand. Um, that is, <laughs> that's got to be extraordinary, I think, because um, we're talking literally decades before it became yeah, well, this, yeah, well, Jamaica actually started doing this from even before it became an independent country. This was from the late 50s. When mm-hmm. under the leadership of Prime Minister Norman Manley, Jamaica made that move. And over the years, mm-hmm. Jamaica had stood um, for freedom and justice and democracy in many other countries, uh, in particular in this case in Africa. And our leaders and our musicians and our people yeah. have generally an- answered that call. There were many songs you mentioned, Peter Tosh, and, you know, the songs he wrote against apartheid. But there was um, Peter Tosh with Bob Marley and Bunny Wheel, as I said in the book. They came up with a song, the title of which was um, Get Up, Stand Up, meaning get up, people, stand up, stand up for your rights. And these songs were very, very instrumental in in the mindset of those who were fighting on the ground for their freedom and justice and for the establishment of democratic institutions in their countries. So, you know, Jamaica has been there from the very forefront. The country Yeah, the country has paid some prices for it of course. But nonetheless, yeah. uh it we felt it was the moral and right things to do and the Christian thing to yeah. do. Of course it is, and you know, and then the um the fact that you're mentioning about Africa, um when um Zimbabwe got their independence, Bob Marley's um the Zimbabwe song that was the he was the only foreign person that was invited to um, musician to sing when yes, they when they switched their flags. So yes, again, and, you know, um, you're quite right. At the independence in Zimbabwe. The stadium, mm-hmm. Bob Marley was invited, and um, he, the stadium was full. They could take no one in. And when they started, people rushed the gates and stormed, and the, everything ended up in a really national celebration of independence yeah. with that song called Zimbabwe, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's, it's amazing how how the, the 2.5 million people can can impact a continent, because we're an island, and they're um, <laughs> and the African continent, not just Zimbabwe, but all over. You know, but yes, um, what else motivated you to write this book? No, well, as I said, um, I, you know, I, in my background and in my work, I have been a scholar, and I have mm-hmm. also been in the world of work. So I just felt that. When I look around and I see ordinary people, ordinary Jamaicans, doing so much to change the world, 
them and to touch your communities all over the United States in particular. You know, I find Jamaicans who are there, as I mentioned in the book, long before Rosa Parks stood up for civil rights when she refused to give up her seat, the Jamaicans in, I think it was 1947, returning from farm work, decided that they were not giving up their seat on a bus in Florida. And so, of course, the way the world works, the way the media works, that wasn't given much um, public here, but it happened that I have documented that in the book, where it happened and when and who were the persons. So those things motivated me to do this. And I, as I said earlier, the book is very well received. Um, it has been very encouraging, and um, I'm just highly motivated. Mm. Um, what are some of the key key takeaways that one can anticipate with this fine work? Well, most of all, and this is also based on comments I get from Jamaicans all over the place, they feel that the younger generation of, you know, Jamaicans, um, we say Jamaican-Americans, those who are born here, they feel mm -hmm. that they should get to know a little of the struggles of their people, that it yes. was not all milk and honey. People came here and worked hard. People came and gave up a lot. People left their families back home and struggled and mm -hmm. sacrificed for their children and their families. And I wanted our people to see that it's a generational thing. Each generation works hard and motivates the other to help the other generation and future generations to climb higher and to see further. As the same goes, if I can see further, it is because I stand on the shoulders of those who went before me. Quite true, quite true. And then you said about people going before you. Um, I think about your the cover of your book, you know, where it has a, it's a picture of a, it has a suitcase, and then it has like those name tags, and um, there's a tag of England, tag of the um, the U.S., and tag of Canada. Um, yes. How did how did you decide on that? I don't know. I was, I was just I was just motivated to to do something that captures graphically what the book is about. And um, actually, the the graphics for that book, the design was done in Jamaica. Mm. And the idea behind it is that people were leaving Jamaica into different areas, and the three most prominent areas where Jamaicans migrated to were England, Canada, and the United States. And if mm. you notice, the United States flag is in the forefront. That is because the book is focused on the Jamaican community in the United States. That's the promised land. Mm. And you say the, the background includes uh, a suitcase. Well, when Jamaicans were traveling back, way back when, that was called a grip. You know, the older mm -hmm. Jamaicans would know what I mean, but it's the same mm -hmm. suitcase. And if mm -hmm. you notice, there is also a Bible, because right. Jamaicans, Jamaicans are Bible-loving, God-fearing people. And so yeah, everywhere, they went, everywhere they went, they went with their God. 
So that mm-hmm. explains, you know, why the cover was so designed. It's a tell, yeah. a story of migration and faith in the homeland and faith in God. Quite true. So finally, gaze into your crystal ball. It is the year, say, 2020, and describe Jamaica and the influence you see from the diaspora on their homeland. Yes, thanks. The fact is, if we look at the impact of Jamaicans on what is happening in terms of the development of Jamaica, it's just monumental. We can use just one um, criterion the money monies that people send back home officially mm-hmm. now and we call that remittances and today mm-hmm. remittances exceed two billion US dollars and the two mm-hmm. billion US dollars would be much more than what the country earns from say bauxite or tourism or agriculture or manufacturing mm-hmm. exports. So that is really the biggest export from Jamaica, the people who send back their remittances. So it's almost as if you export people, but the people in turn send back money to support their loved ones, to save, to send your young family members to school, etc. That is the biggest size of the foreign exchange that Jamaica earns. And so it's just monumental how this the total for remittances have increased over the years to, as I said, now exceeding $2 billion. So I think the diaspora has much to offer Jamaica. I think Jamaica has much to learn from the diaspora. But we have to do this as one hand reaching across the oceans to support another hand. Quite true, and and much and have a much more organized structure where the Jamaican dollar bounces. Because as living in the U.S., you know that um, black we're not we're not talking about just Jamaican. We're talking about the black dollar is a trillion dollars. But because yes. the, there's no economic structure in place, the dollar doesn't bounce. Right in the Jewish community, it bounces 18 times. The Asian community is 10 times. The black dollar does not bounce once, and this is a trillion dollars in the U.S. And if there was a structured, organized system involved, the black dollar could bounce a lot more. We could support HBUs. We could have um, much more structured um, for the dollar. But I'm saying this to say that. We have to do the same thing with the diasporan dollars that goes to Jamaica. Oh, yes. We can create that. We can reduce borrowing money from the IMS and being at the mercy of them and have a much more stable economic, which will mean less violence, less crime, and a much more sound um, family structure. Well, you know, I... And so, um, do you have any final words of wisdom? Yes, I think people should be encouraged. People should stay positive. People should keep faith with their new home, which is America, but never give up on the land of birth, which is Jamaica. And as I said, you know, 
And recently, we had a very, very successful launch of this book in Jamaica. People mm-hmm. were just wanting to buy this book because they have heard so much about it, and I'm very en- encouraged. And I should say that the book is available for those who want to. Um, it's available on Amazon. And I can also yeah. say that you can go on Amazon and look at some of the reviews, you know, readers' mm-hmm. reviews. And these are just absolutely mind-boggling that people think so highly of my book. But I am honored. Yes, it is. It is. Um, it is a well. I think I'll, this is a very comprehensive book in terms of learning about the people and the things that Jamaica has done for the world and for our, the Jamaicans on the island and in the diaspora. So to learn more about Chris Daly, visit myheartmemories.com. To learn more about the Jamaican diaspora, visit jamaicandiaspora.com. And if you go to jamaicandiaspora.com and click store, you will see a, um, a list that shows up. And one of the books that's available is Jamaican the children of God in the promised land. So do support that website that we ask. Thank you, Dr. Bryant. We really appreciate you spending some time with us. Bye now. Thank you very much. Lakeside Terraces, food, drinks, 32,000 aquatic animals, and complete fireworks show. Tickets are on sale now at ShedAquarium.org slash Jazzin. Become a member today and receive free admission. Jazzin at the Shed is sponsored by Chase.